Always remember to consult with your physicians before making any changes to your current treatment plan. confrontation. I avoid it if at all possible, but when it came to my baby girl, like the mama bear came out every time and I don't regret any of it looking back. I'm like, you know, sometimes I wish I would have been even been more pushy about things. Welcome to Living with Scanxiety with your host Rosaria Kozar. Today I have Jenna here and she's the mother of a beautiful little girl, Emery. I hope today you'll not only connect with Emery's story, through her mother, but you'll also know that you're not alone in your journey. So today we're going to focus on parenting and also a little bit on advocating for your young child. So with that, welcome Jenna to Living with Scanxiety. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. It's truly a pleasure to have you on. I can't wait to dive into the topics, but first, I would love to hear Emery's story and surrounding her diagnosis and just, you know, how things started off for you as a parent. Yeah, I definitely um, love to tell her story. Okay, so Emery was two years old when she was first diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma. Um, She had been just really just off for like maybe a couple weeks to a month before she was diagnosed. Um, No one suspected cancer, and so it took a little while for them to finally diagnose her. And um, like a lot of, I feel like, parents' story, it was just happened upon. uh, Emery had an infection in her neck that they treated in the hospital for five days. And then we got sent home, and she got better, and she got worse, and she got better, and she got worse. And... A few weeks later, they decided she, um, when she stopped walking, just completely stopped walking, they oh, decided wow. to do an MRI of her hips um, to see if the infection from her neck had spread to her hips, which I guess is common with little kids. Um, and when they did so, they just happened to catch the tumor that was off her adrenal gland in her stomach. So um, after that, it kind of was just a whirlwind of tests and scans and bad news and more bad news. And it was extremely overwhelming. Um, Emery was my first child, my only child at the time. So my husband and I were first-time parents. And then we were kind of just thrown into the cancer world um, and had no idea what we were doing. And um, it was it was extremely difficult. Unfortunately, we did get a lot of bad news, like I said, right at the beginning. Emery pretty much had the card stacked against her from day one, but um, we, of course, decided to fight it with everything that we had. She went through, I mean, I would say what most cancer kids go through, but she went through um, six rounds of chemo. Then they did surgery to move her primary tumor. She actually had three tumors, a diagnosis, and then... um, she went on to a stem cell transplant that was extremely dangerous and ended up, I believe, hurting her more than helping her. And then when we finally recovered from that, she went on to radiation and then immune therapy. And it was in immune therapy when um, she progressed for the first time. So I can't even say that she relapsed because she was never clear. She never had a clear scan. We got super close. Um, it got down to just a spot in her left knee. 
And so we thought we were, you know, on track. We were doing great. We started immune therapy. And within one round of it, um, she had progression of disease and it um, became a tumor um, on her skull that was pushing on her brain. It ends up um, causing her lots of pain and lots of sleepiness. And we immediately had to start um, pretty much over again. We started chemo again. They started radiation to the tumor in her head. And about the time we finally got the tumor in her head to calm down, um, a new spot that uh, they believe now started on her ribs, but ate into her lungs. And she had a new tumor on her lungs. And it was then when we realized that what we were doing here, we were based off Kansas City. The hospital that we were going to um, wasn't able to, to help us anymore. So then we traveled to a hospital up in Philadelphia. And we did a treatment specific to neuroblastoma called MIBG therapy. And that was kind of our big hope was that it's, it's like full body radiation, pretty much. That was our hope because um, at that time when we went up to CHOP, we knew she had the tumor in her head. We knew that she had the tumor on her lungs and we knew the spot on her knee still let up. But um, CHOP did whole new scans and they found out at that time that not only did she have all those spots, but her body was back to even worse when she was orig- originally diagnosed. Um, so we just came home and we waited and we tried to do as much as we could with her, even though she was still in a lot of pain because I said she had disease all through her bones. She had a lot of bony disease and um she was one tough little girl. Like she still played, she still smiled, and a lot of times you wouldn't even have known all that was going on inside of her little body. Um, after we came home from CHOP, we got two weeks, and then um, we ended up going to the hospital, and it just happened really quickly. Uh, she, they first thought she had VOD, which she actually had during transplant, which is um, where pretty much where your liver isn't working right it gets backed up and it causes lots of horrible issues and it can be life-threatening and they thought she had VOD and so we thought we were going to be spending at least a month or so um, this was in December so we thought we'd be spending Christmas in the hospital but after only a couple days um, her, her body pretty much shut down and whether it was VOD or whether it was cancer in her lungs, which now we believe it was the cancer taking over like her organs and everything. We don't think the MIBG worked at all. Um, within a couple of days, she passed away. It was very quick, very sudden and awful um, to get into those details. Like it is very, very hard to get into those type of details. So we'll just say that uh, she just went really quickly. So, Wow. That's awful um i know what you guys went through but i feel so badly it truly is awful and it's so hard because and my heart goes out to you um it's so hard it really is because you have to remain so strong for your child even though you don't feel that way at all and if they do pass, you have to change all that strength that you had for your child and turn it back into strength for you because it's not natural. And man, she sounds like an amazing little girl and definitely a trooper. So, but at the same time, I'm so, so sorry for that. 
And you ended up pulling together and establishing a foundation to help other people that are going through this awful journey of childhood cancer. And that's amazing. And in her memory, of course, so she will live on with that foundation for sure. But before we get into what people can utilize your foundation for, I want to hit upon one of the topics that we discussed in the introduction, and that is how do you suggest parents parent a child that has cancer? Right. So Emery was just two. Um, Her birthday was in October, and then she was diagnosed at the beginning of December. So she was just just barely two. Um, So she was talking, but she, you know, there was no like explain things like you ask her does her tummy hurt sure she'd say yes or she'd say no but she couldn't explain to you my tummy hurts because I feel like vomiting or my tummy hurts because I have to go to the bathroom or all the other things that a lot of the doctors always look at you and ask to be like what do you think she's feeling it's like well this is what I think she's feeling so I mean on the advocacy part of it not only did I become her voice in a way that I never expected to but um, like I said, they were always asking me how she was feeling, how I thought she was, because they couldn't really ask her. She didn't understand that. They weren't, she wasn't going to be able to explain, yes, I need more medication or no, I don't, or I'm a level three for pain today. You know, a lot of questions that you would be asked if you went to the hospital, she couldn't answer those questions. So that put a lot on me and my husband to try to decide does she need extra pain meds? Does she not? Does she, you know, is she just grumpy because she wants to be home and she doesn't want to be in a hospital? Or is she grumpy because she's in pain? So you really do become your child's voice. And not only that, um, you know, when you're in the hospital and you're dealing with lots of different doctors and lots of different nurses and some you love and some, you know, you don't really love so much. And you definitely become their advocate there too. If something doesn't seem right, I'm always, you know, the one to say, you know, mama knows best. And really that happened so many times where the doctor would think one thing and I'd be like, I just don't think that's what she, you know, what she's doing, what she's feeling, what's happening. So I always say for all the moms out there, you really do always know best. If something doesn't seem right, if, if you don't agree with something, definitely have that conversation with the doctor. Don't be afraid to, I guess, step on some toes Yes, your doctors and your nurses do, you know, we did have really great ones, took excellent care of her, but at the same time, um, something doesn't feel right. You are your child's advocate, especially when they're so young. I said, she couldn't say, you know, I know this, this isn't what I'm feeling. You're doing this wrong or you're hurting me in a sense. I mean, she was two, so she'd just cry. So you definitely have to be your child's advocate and sometimes like I said you have to get on those doctors and push for things and sometimes it's kind of hard to say like I said we did love our doctors and nurses but they do make mistakes and if you see something happening that's not right you definitely have to say something this is your child's lives I mean this was Emery's life that we were talking about you know if something doesn't happen if something was delayed then her cancer could potentially spread and so I would say with the moms who are parenting a medically complex child or child with cancer, like, don't be afraid to, like, call them every day, multiple times a day, and send the emails and, and stay on their cases because, um, like I said, you're, you're the best thing for your child. 
sure. That's excellent advice. Excellent. Um, and, you know, it's not always easy, like you said, and you said, don't be, I like how you said, don't be scared to step on someone's right. toes. But it is scary, but you got to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did it come easily for you or did you kind of say to yourself, I got to start doing this? <laughs> yeah, I don't really love confrontation. I avoid it if at all possible. But when it came to my baby girl, like the mama bear came out every time. And I don't regret any of it looking back on like, you know, sometimes I wish I would have been even been more pushy about things and saying, no, I don't think this is right, or no, we need to do this sooner, you know, whatever the case was. And I, you know, um, I don't regret at all being that mama bear. I think that was definitely what was best for my daughter. So, Absolutely. You know, it was great advice. And I'm so happy that out of everything that happened and went wrong, that you can walk away and say, I don't feel guilty about this. Because you would have had that question in the back of your mind forever. And you had mentioned in the beginning that your daughter had numerous scans. Now, the show is called Scansiety, but we don't always talk about scans. However, that kind of piqued my interest. Would you mind telling me what Scansiety means to you and what all these scans meant to you? Oh, goodness. It's the worst, worst anxiety there is. I mean, every scan, um, oh, my goodness, every time it was just like, is this going to be okay? Are we getting better? Are we doing good? Or are they going to come walk in with that look on their face and say, oh, she has a new spot or a new tumor or, or nothing's really working? I mean, it was it was constant. And Emory had a lot of complications with the treatments. I'd say like the treatments were just as bad. So a lot of times she had scans and x-rays and CTs for things that for like the complication things. But you still always wonder, is it a complication or is it her cancer in her stomach growing or cancer and, you know, wherever growing and scans, scans were horrible. I still just, you know, I don't think I'll ever forget that fear. And now it still affects me to this day. I mean, we have since gone on and um, we do have another child and I he's just a baby. <laughs> I already, if I think, oh my goodness, if my child would ever had to have a scan, I just don't even know how I would ever handle it. I think a lot of parents, I remember when we were going through this, they'd always tell me, I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you handle it. I don't know how you're not crying all the time. But I think what it comes down to it is you, we just didn't get a choice. And now, now that I'm not in it anymore, I think the same thing. How did we ever do it? How did I ever deal with that anxiety all the time and the stress and not completely lose my mind? And But, you know, you just stay so focused on your child. And I think that's probably why parents are able to just keep going, going, going. But I will never forget it. Scans will probably completely freak me out for the rest of my life. And I just, yeah. scans are awful, awful. They are awful, and it is permanently scarring because the meaning and the results of the scans carry so much weight, and waiting for them and the results is just awful, the amount of anxiety that causes. So I want to jump topics to Emery's Memory Foundation. So 
it's been two years since she passed and you have a child and you've established this foundation. Can you tell me about it and what it is and what you guys do? Yes. So Emory's Memory Foundation, um, we are a local or a nonprofit that supports children's and their family who are going through cancer. So when we were going through our journey with cancer, we had a few foundations that reached out to us and really supported us. And we knew right then and there, um, we hoped to do it with Emory, but we, we knew when we were done with ours, we would want to help others. And um, after she passed away, we still knew that we wanted to do something and um, keep her memory alive. I think that's one of the biggest fears now with parents when their child does pass is eventually them being forgotten. Of course, we would never forget them, but, uh, you know, everybody else kind of just eventually, you know, their world goes on while ours doesn't. And so we started um, Emerson Foundation. And so far, we've helped so many different families. And it's it's kind of sad and crazy at the same time how many um, families have found us and reached out to us and are you know needing that extra support and we do a variety of things we do like fun care packages for the kids and we help with bills because you know the financial side of this it's hard medical bills not just that like I said I had to quit my job lots of parents do that they go from two incomes to one and um it just childhood cancer affects everything so we do we've done a little bit of everything um we have been lucky enough to just kind of be able to, um, when families come across us, if we're able to, we take them on, like, we call them like our team memory kids, and then they're on team memory for life, and we stick with them until the end, either way. Hopefully, of course, it's when they're cancer-free and they go on to live happy lives, and but even if it's the other way, we're there for them um, to the very end. And at the moment, we have 12 families. We were going to just start out with three, and it just it just kept going. And um, unfortunately, we have lost one child that was one of our team memory kids. And I said we get we get super connected and close to these families, so it's it's extremely hard. And um, can be it can definitely be like emotional on this too to be could hunt to be staying in this cancer world. Some some days I'm just like. I don't know if I can keep doing this and being in this world and hearing all these family stories and, and, you know, a lot of the same things I went through, but at the same time, it's been, um, it's really been such a blessing to me, like to be able to really still focus on Emery. This is like one of the only things that I can still do for her, like physically do for her. So I feel like, um, helping other families and other kids are just like her. That's exactly what I was supposed to be doing, which is crazy because I never in a million years thought I'd be running a nonprofit. Um, but I'm, I'm really happy that we did do it. I said, there are definitely some hard days with it, but being able to like see the kids happy faces and, um, to help those parents out when they call us and say, we need help with groceries or we need help because our car broke down. Like, and we really had some amazing supporters, um, following right along with our journey and helping us. Cause if it wasn't for them, there's no way we could do this. And so we've had some really amazing supporters helping us so we can help these kids. And, um, that's what we do. Most of the days we do like, so a lot of care packages, a lot of financial support, but then um, this coming year, we actually are doing something completely different. We want, we've always wanted to do something big in Emory's name for research because that is one of the big reasons why she isn't here. It's because the research and the treatments just weren't there for her. I mean, no two-year-old should run out of treatments. Um, 
well, three when she passed, but two to three-year-olds shouldn't ever run out of options. So we have a family member who is a crazy runner, and he reached out to us last year and asked us if he could do a coast-to-coast run in Embry's name, of course, to raise funds for research and also raise the awareness that childhood cancer needs. And like when he first brought it to me, I was like, whoa, this is crazy and overwhelming. I have no idea how to do this, but slowly but surely we've been able to put it all together. And it starts April of next year. He's going to start running and he'll start in California and he's going to run all across the United States to New Jersey. And our goal is 200000 That's our goal. Hopefully we'll be able to, you know, write that big check and hand it over to the research group that we've partnered with. Um, and hopefully we'll also be able to help some more families along the way with that money too. It'll go to some of our families that we're supporting, but then just putting the money side apart, you know, putting that aside, just the awareness. We're so excited to be able to really spread a lot of awareness. I mean, we're, there's going to be a man running across the United States, which is just crazy. So hopefully we can really raise a lot of awareness for neuroblastoma and childhood cancer and how, you know, they, they deserve more than they get. And, um, our kids, you know, our kids are everything, you know, they're worth more than gold. And that's what this run is all about is just telling all the other kids and all their families that, you know, we see you and we're going to just keep fighting for you. And, um, Hopefully, we'll we'll raise a bunch of money and be able to help out as much as we can. Wow, all of that is really great. And I can't believe you have someone running across the country. <laughs> I know. He's he's done other long marathons and runs, and he is actively um, training right now, of course, for it because it's, it's completely crazy. He's going to run six out of the seven days of the week. Like, it's continuous. It's going to take him four months. And it's wow. almost 3,100 miles. So from, yeah, April to August, he will be running. I don't even think I could so, bike that much. <laughs> I have no, I am not a runner, so I know for sure I couldn't do it. But um, he is so committed, and he's an amazing person. I know he's going to do it. I bet you he will. And he seems like he's definitely got his eye on the prize, and he is certainly committed especially um, in Emery's honor. That's a beautiful thing. So I just want to wrap up here. How can we get in touch with you? So we have a Facebook page, and that's probably where I'm the most active is our Facebook page, and it's just Emery's Memory Foundation. We also have our website, which, again, is just www.emerysmemoryfoundation.com. That is where you can go, especially if you want to see more about the run and follow his progress as he runs across the United States and see all the kids that we're helping and read about them. Um, Our website has all that on there. It's really awesome. And then we also do have an Instagram, which I got to say I'm not as good about updating, but we do have an Instagram, um, and that is Team Emory Forever. But um, definitely Facebook or our website and our email and everything is um, Emory's Memory Foundation. So easy to remember. (laughs) Definitely easy to remember. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story and being open and vulnerable. We really appreciate your time. And thank you. Just thank you so much. No, thank you for letting me tell her story. And and having me on here, and you're doing amazing things too. This is this is so awesome. The awareness you're spreading. I appreciate that. That means so much. Thanks. 
And thank you for tuning in to Living with Anxiety with your host, Rosaria Kozar. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and visit my website at www.livingwithanxiety.org.